0: This morning we're going to look at several passages of scripture, but we're going to focus on Psalm 1. This series of messages has been about abundance and experiencing God's abundance in your life, that God wants you to have a life of blessing and a life of abundance, but the scripture tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come So that you might have life abundant, full, and meaningful. That you have life and have it abundantly. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to have an abundant life. He does. He wants you to have an abundant life. But the enemy does not want you to have that life. Now what are some of the things that hinder us? We've been looking at this for the course of the last several weeks from experiencing that full life, that blessed life that God wants us to have. And uh, we've identified several of those things that really prohibit and hold us back and thwart us and, and uh, hinder us from experiencing that full and meaningful life. Today, we're going to look at another thing that we desperately need in our life, and that's discernment. We need God's wisdom in our life. And, uh, and uh, uh, we not only need to understand his word, but we need to obey his word, apply his word in our life, walking out and living a life of wisdom and uh, not of folly, and not, uh, not following after a world, the world's point of view, but following and obeying God's voice in our life. And so that's what we're going to look at today when we look at Psalm 1 together. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to follow along, but we'll also look at the scripture here on the screen in Psalm number one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day day. And night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father in heaven, I ask that today as we study your word, that Lord, you would speak to us, correct us, comfort us, counsel us. Father, I pray that we would Open our lives to your spirit's voice. That, Father, your word would do a penetrating work in us. And that, Lord, you would transform us to be your people. Lord, that we might bear fruit in our life. That there would be a sense of abundance and prosperity that would give honor and glory to almighty God. Father, have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this psalm together today, there's such a great need for wisdom and discernment in our life. This week I was taken back by a story that uh, made the news about an acquaintance and really a friend. And uh, this friend is a a uh, pastor friend who has served uh, in, in churches. And uh, as he was serving in, in uh, he became enamored with politics. And uh, he became he, he enamored with uh, the world of politics and running for a political office. He met with his church and said, you know, I think I really want to run for political office. He took a leave of absence and ran for office and, and uh, was defeated in a primary, and so, but he just got the bug. He wanted to be a politician more than he wanted to be a preacher of God's word. He began to listen to people say, you're just a natural, and you'll be elected to Congress, and when you do, you're going to be able to make a difference. And those words, that counsel seemed to be pleasing to him. It hooked the ambition that was already there inside of him. When a seat opened up in a congressional district for the United States House of Representatives, he he resigned his church in order to put together a campaign and run in a primary. And so there were some wealthy individuals fronting him and helping to support him. And so he left the ministry and ran and won the primary. And then he... He had lost some close elections before, so he was now hired some people around him to consult with him and help him develop strategies and garner votes. And so he hired some unscrupulous people so that winning would come no matter what the cost. And this week, in humiliation... Before an election panel, this former pastor was publicly humiliated as his own son took the testimony, stood in testimony against his father, a 29-year-old son saying, I told my father what you're doing is unethical, maybe illegal, and it will bring disgrace on us, The father wept. He was shamed politically. And the next day he said, there needs to be a re-do- recount. And not a recount. They need, I want to forfeit this election, even though I was winning by 900 po- votes. I want to forfeit this election because we've been fraudulent and unethical. In our practices. It made headline news. All over the country. And as I read the story. And watched the video. I thought what happened. To my friend. You may know situations like this too. Where a lack of discernment. And a lack of wisdom. Lead us down a trail. Of brokenness. In our life. Not experiencing God's blessing, but instead experiencing uh, uh, real hurt and pain in our life. So today I want us to look at Psalm number uh, uh, one. And as we look at it together, we want to talk about, first of all, you'll notice that there are two different ways that are described here in this psalm. And uh, discernment, by the way, is is a a discernment we need discernment between what is right and what is wrong, obviously. But we also need discernment between what is better and what is best, right? What what between what is true and what is false or fiction, and what brings life and what brings death. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads only to death. There, the, we, we can so be consumed with our own desires, our own ambitions, and listen to the wrong voice in our life that we end up going the wrong way. So we need discernment. We need the wisdom. Now, the first point today is there in this in this psalm, you see there are two different paths, two different people, two different ways. Notice in verse number six at the bottom of the psalm, the, la, the last verse. <coughs> The psalmist says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So Psalm 1 is like, some, most scholars believe Psalm 1 is really an, a synopsis. More than that, it, it is a precursor to an introduction to the rest of the Psalms. And he says, There's the way of the righteous, and then there's the way of the wicked. And notice the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous, and they are contrasted with one another. There are only two ways the righteous and the wicked. Jesus, this reminds us of what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number seven. He said, You know, there are really two different ways for men to go. There is, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for he says, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many are there, many people find their way on this road. It's a wide gate, it's a broad way, it's easy to go but it's popular, there are many people on this thoroughfare, but the end of it goes to destruction. Over against that is a very narrow gate and a very straight and difficult and hard way. And not too many people are on that way, but it leads to life. And you must discern which way that you're on. You see, if there's many people on the highway, it's, you're probably going the popular way, but it is not the right way. In Psalm 1, the, verse, the first verse, notice what he says. There is those who walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. There's the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers. And so it's a... It's, it's multiple. It's not just one. It's multiple. But then as you read this psalm, there's this man who lives different than what the multitude lives. There's the mass and the way the masses go, and then there's the righteous and the way that the righteous goes. And so which way are we going? Now, the truth of the matter is there's no clear road signs in life. If there were, most of us wouldn't choose This road leads to hell. All that want to go to hell get on this road. Most people aren't signing up for that road, right? Because, and this one leads to life, abundance, prosperity. But why is it? Because people, it's not a clear road. It is clear, but it's not clear. It's sort of subtle. The enemy is trying to get us to go the wrong way in your life. I don't think most people are signing up to say, hey, I want to do everything kind of I can to go to hell. That's not it. But instead, very subtly, we, we begin to go along with the masses on the wrong path because our hearts are deceitful and sin is in us. And even though God is saying this is the way, walk in it, we, we are not, we listen to other Voices. And this brings destruction into your life. It brings destruction into your life. Hmm. Notice in this passage, there are not only two ways and two different kinds of people, but we notice the two voices. In Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, Notice the, the wicked, I, I hate, I, while the, it's a good translation. In our usage in English of the word wicked, we think of, you know, the wicked witch of the West. We think of, we think of somebody who's ex, uh, like Ted Bundy or something. It's like the worst of the worst. Wicked. But what he's saying is, it's the way of the ungodly. It's the way of those who are resistant to God's authority and centered in our own self. And he says he doesn't walk in the counsel, the advice of those that are ungodly. Where do you get your advice from? Where do you look for for your advice? I'm amazed at how much time people spend on their phone. Have you noticed that? Getting their advice from this phone. Getting your advice from a TV set. Getting your advice from comedians. Getting your advice from different books that you read. It's the counsel Of the ungodly. And when you receive the counsel of the world, the counsel of the ungodly, there's a negative progression that's outlined right here in this psalm. So they're receiving this advice, receiving this counsel, and next thing you know, I'm in the path, I'm in the roadway of the sinful. Those in rebellion against God and what He wants in my life And we become so deceived that it seems right. And next thing you know, we're sitting, we're sitting with the scornful and we're sitting in a place of judgment on truth. Isn't that the downward negative spiral we see in our culture that we are receiving counsel from one another and it's multiplied foolishness? And next thing you know, we're standing and being carried along with the rest of the culture in a rebellion against God's authority. And next thing you know, we are passing judgment on truth as if what we know is more true. We see this downward degrading that takes place in our life. The psalmist sees it here, these two voices one is moving you further away from God. It sounds good. It sounds wise. Often ungodly counsel, listen closely, often ungodly counsel comes from very respectable people. They don't wear a big sign around their neck says, ungodly wicked counsel found right here. That's not what they do. But they are often very successful people. Maybe they're good business-minded people. Maybe they've been authors. Maybe they have a talk show. Maybe it's like Oprah for you. And this is the counsel that you're receiving. But is it godly counsel? And sometimes it's educated people and... Sometimes it might be an advisor or a counselor or a life coach that you admire, that other people admire. Maybe they're very friendly and outgoing. And, and, or it could be a neighbor, a colleague, a coworker, a friend at school. And they're giving you advice and counsel. And It sounds good because it lines up with what generally is accepted in the culture. And so that seems to sound right. And next thing you know, you're making those, it's moving you toward the pathway of sinners. And rebellion against God and his word and disobedience, it leads to this scoffing and scornfulness and rejection of God. We see this progression in the Old Testament with Lot. Lot, at first, he pitches his tent towards Sodom, right? And then we see Lot living in Sodom. And then before it's over, we see Lot sitting in the city gates with the judges in Sodom. It's that downward, downward spiral. And I hear this conversation. And I hear people say things like, well, God wants me to be happy. And I think it's just important. And I've talked to some other people, and I just think God wants me to be happy. So I'm going to do this because I think God wants me to be happy. Now, if this goes against God's word, you will not be happy. Or I hear other things like this. Well, love can't be wrong. Oh, yes, it can be. This is the counsel of the ungodly. You end up someplace that you never meant to be or never meant to go. I've often quoted Adrian Rogers who said in this little ditty, sin takes us further than we meant to stray. It keeps you longer than you meant to stay. And it always costs you more than you meant to pay. That's what sin does. And the voice of the enemy is subtle and deceptive. In Jeremiah, chapter number 17, verse number 9. Jeremiah 7, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Notice in verse 9, the heart is what? Say it with me. Deceitful above what? And desperately, what? Who can understand it? You see, the heart is deceitful. It is, it is desperately sick. The word deceitful means crooked, twisted, like a bad road. It's uneven and torturous. And then he says, and the heart is sick. The word used here for sick means it's incurable, incurable. It's it's infected with an incurable disease. Who can understand it? Who can know it? Only God can. Because God knows our heart. David was pulled away. David was deceived. David's own heart deceived him. He's on the rooftop. While the men are at war, he's deceived. He wants and desires another woman. He inquires about her. And she's married to Uriah the Hittite. And he still lies and deceives and brings her to him and begins an affair with her. He's being deceived. His heart is deceiving him. Next thing you know, he's plotting murder against Uriah and having it carried out. Later, when he's confronted with his sin, He prays to God, God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. A pure and right spirit put inside of me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. God, my heart's been divided. My heart's not been right. My heart's not been pure. God, I've sinned against you. Oh God in heaven, how did I get here? God, you create. Barah. You create in me. Something clean and new in my life. My heart is broken. Have you ever noticed how easy it is for us to wander away from God? Be deceived and in sin? Robert Robinson was a young man who was saved at 20 years old under the preaching of George Whitfield, He wrote a hymn when he was 22 years old, and the hymn is, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. There's one line in the hymn that goes like this, and it says, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter chain, bind my wandering heart, to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Hmm. This is this is the struggle that we have. Notice over against this voice of the world and this voice of a deceived heart is the voice of God that we need to listen to. Notice this blessed man, this righteous man, in verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Amen. It's the law of the Lord. He delights in it. He loves it. He hungers for the law of the Lord. And he says, in his law, his instruction, his Torah, he does meditate day and night. First, he uses the word delight. What do you delight in? You're enjoyed, you enjoy, you're thrilled with, you're captivated by. What is it that you delight in? Hmm. I was just back looking at. Keith and Mary, a while ago, they got a brand new grandbaby today. They might be delighting in that grandbaby today, right? What are you delighted in? I think one of the things we delight in is grandbabies. Yesterday, last night, Aaron came over and Brad, and they brought little Charlotte. Woo! I was trying to delight in her, but Christy's such a Charlotte hog, she keeps her to herself. Won't share her. Last Sunday, Christy just has such a close relationship with our grandchildren, but especially Brooke, our uh, oldest grandchild. She's six. little girl lives in Cincinnati. And last Sunday, and the kids got iPads, access to their iPads, and they can FaceTime call us at will. <laughs> so Christy was downstairs working on something, and... Her phone is ringing. And I could tell it's a FaceTime ring. And so I went over to the kitchen counter and her phone's ringing. I see Brooke's p- picture come up there, our granddaughter. And so I answered Christy's phone and my face comes up to Brooke. And she goes, Papa. I said, Hey, Brooke, how are you? She hesitates. She goes, Papa, where's grandma? I said, well, she's in the basement working on something. And I asked her a question. She kind of short little answers. And then she said, Papa, I called for Grandma. <laughs> she was not delighting in me. She was wanting to talk to Grandma. So we found Grandma, by the way, thoroughly, enjoyed that. There's something unredeemed in her about that. (laughs) So I was cast to the curb, and she and Brooke had a conversation. Now, there's a delight. That little girl's delighting in her grandmother. Her grandmother's delighting in her. What do you delight in? It says that this man delights himself in the law of the Lord and he not only delights in it its joy it, it's it's captivating to him but not only is it captivating he's not but it's also he he meditates in it he's thinking on it he ruminates he 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 he, he ponders it it's an active pondering the word here means really it's like mutters god's word he In ancient Hebrew life, when you would read the scripture, you would read it out loud. You're saying God's word. You're repeating it and you're meditating on it and rehearsing it. And you're doing it night and day and you're thinking on God's word and what it could mean and the implications of his word. This is where we have discernment. Discernment comes when we're listening to the voice of God and not the voice of self or the world. And that's how God is changing us. In John's gospel, chapter 17, verse 14, listen to what Jesus said. I've given them your what? Word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Now watch, they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Now listen, watch, say it with me. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. How does a person keep their life right or holy and walk right before God? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. My friends, when a man delights in the law and he's meditating in it, that God uses it by his spirit to do a transforming work in your life. You discern the difference between the world or self and sinful way to go and a righteous way to go by God's word, thy word have I hid where in my heart that I might not what sin against thee. It is his word in our life, transforming us. Pointing us to Jesus. The law of the Lord is living. And the law of the Lord is speaking. And the law of the Lord is revealing like a mirror. the law of the Lord is showing us who God is. And what God wants. And the deceptiveness of our own heart. And the law of the Lord is corrective. But the law of the Lord points us to Jesus Christ. For he... Is the fulfillment of the law, and only He can save us. So the question is, which voice is speaking into your life? Which voice is speaking into your life? There are two outcomes in this psalm. He uses two different similes here, and we're going to look at uh, look at them. And notice in in verse number four, the wicked, he uses this simile. He says, they are like chaff driven away by the wind over against a tree planted by water. He says, look at what happens with the outcome of the life of those who listen to the wrong voice and the voice of the ungodly and live that life. He said they are driven away like the chaff. Notice what he says. The wicked cannot stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In Jeremiah chapter 17, a very similar parallel passage to this is verse number five. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert. He will not see any good come. He'll dwell in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Wow. So this, the, the outcome in the life of the ungodly is, first of all, they're detached. They're like chaff. They're... They're, they're, they're like a shrub in the desert. They're blown about. He says like the chaff. The chaff is, they're not only detached, but they're driven by the wind. They're detached, they're driven, they're dry. That's what they are. They're, they're like husk that goes around the, the, the kernel or the meat of, of, of a kernel. It, it, it is like a kernel of wheat. It's, it's like the chaff. It's like the husk. And the husk is separated from the grain and then at the threshing floor they would throw the grain with the husk up into the air and in this high place then uh, on a, a, a rock pavement then as they would throw the grain up into the air on a windy day the husk would be driven away and the grain would fall down on the pavement. Because it was of value. He said that's what happens to the one who's ungodly. He's driven away by the wind. It's described in Jeremiah as a shrub in the desert, not pl- planted with no deep re- roots. It's dry. He's not watered. It's, there's a dryness to his life. Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah Chapter number two, listen, verse number 13 for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that could hold no water. They're in a desert place with no water. They're fruitless. They don't produce any good thing, it says in Jeremiah, and they're worthless. It's a wasted life with no value. And in the end, Jeremiah says they're cursed. The psalmist says in Psalm 1, blessed is the man. Jeremiah says cursed is the man in verse 5. Hmm. And so this is the outcome of the wicked. It's not an abundant life. It's a meaningless life. The question I have to ask you today is, what kind of life are you living? What's your pathway? What's the trajectory of your life? I was having lunch this week with a man who is struggling with some issues in his life, this stage of his life. And he said, I don't know if I've ever been successful. I don't know that I've ever made a difference. I feel like my life is gone. And I feel like I've wasted my life. So I listened to him share his heart I understood what he was feeling, but his life's not wasted. Folks, success is not defined by this world or this culture. Are you making your life matter? If you think success is having millions of dollars in the bank account, you are sadly mistaken. This world says you're successful if you have lots of money. If you have multiple cars, if you live in a fine home, if your house is paid for, if you have a secondary home, then that house is paid for. If you have lots of toys, lots of bells and whistles, that you're well-respected, well-liked, that is not success. That is the success that the culture, the godless culture And the idolatry of this world says is success. I met with a young man some months ago and he said to me, this is what success will be in my life. I'm going to make a certain amount of millions of dollars by this age. And I hope then to live in a a beach house in California and worth millions of dollars and rest and live as a beach bum the rest of my life. And that's going to be my success. Jeremiah. Notice, compare that with the righteous man. A different simile. He's like a tree planted by water. He is firmly planted by streams of water. Notice that he bears fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Jeremiah chapter 17 describes this man. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Verse 8, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, firmly, deep roots. He doesn't fear when the heat comes. We all experience heat in our life, drought in our life. His leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is a righteous person's outcome. Streams of water, even in an arid climate. Hmm. This is the righteous man. Notice, just fill in the blanks about this righteous man. First of all, he's planted, he's watered, he's productive, he's alive, His Leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. This man is called blessed by the Lord. Amen. Two different outcomes in your life. He says he's happy and he's blessed in his life. Finally, there's two different destinations. And as we look at this psalm, what are those destinations? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will what? The way of the wicked will what? Perish. Perish. The Lord knows. The word that knows there means he intimately knows. He watches over, he protects, and he understands the way of the righteous. Let me tell you what, when you follow the Lord, when you love the Lord, when you give your heart and your life to him, he watches over your life. Folks, please listen to me. The only way you can experience this abundant life is in Jesus Christ. As your Lord and Savior. It is surrendering to him. Jesus said. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me. And I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. Your life is found in Jesus Christ. There's only two destinations. One leads to death. Perishing. And the other leads to life. And that life is found in Jesus Christ alone. Only him. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Amen. So this abundant, full, and meaningful life, a life that is watered by God, it's it's planted by a stream, life-giving water. And it's found in Jesus. In John chapter 7 in the temple, Jesus cries out. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Folks, I don't want you to go to the path of the wicked. I don't want you to go away of perishing. I don't want you to live a life of regret. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and regret your life. At this stage of my life, here I am, 61 years old. At this stage of my life, I want every year of my life to count. I don't want to quit and look back over my life and say it didn't have any matter or consequence. I want to live my life and that means rooted in Jesus Christ, focused on Jesus Christ, meditating on His Word, obeying Him in my life. And I want to experience the abundance and fruitfulness of God. Not going the way of the world, but go the way of the Lord. Amen? That's what God wants in you. He wants you to have abundance. He said, blessed. The word blessed means happy and fruitful. And abundant is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the pathway of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water bearing fruit in season. its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers, but not so the ungodly, for like chaff driven away by the wind. Therefore, he will not, this ungodly will not stand in judgment, nor in the assembly, of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly will perish two ways which way are you going go the way of abundance and blessedness not cursing amen amen father thank you For your word, it's powerful, it's true. Have your way in our hearts and our lives today. I pray that today, as we've looked at this great psalm, that your Holy Spirit has spoken to our lives about how we're living our life. Father, may we follow you, pursue you, be changed by you, and live our lives to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.